welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello and welcome to Punch It, writing in Star Trek. I'm your co-host Tristan Riddell and with me as always is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene, we are uh, taking a departure from Star Trek today. And uh, this is what we're going to call an away mission. That's right. Before we rebranded to be 24-7 Star Trek on Punch It, we did discuss this where some people actually wrote in and said, hey, you know, like we love it when you talk about Star Trek, but we don't want you to uh, forget all those other things that you talked about. We don't want you to abandon Gilmore Girls or anything like that. And so that we are doing just that. We're, we're not doing just that. We are, uh, once in a while, we're going to have an episode where it's non-Star Trek related, whether it's movies, music, TV, comic books, whatever the hell it is. It's going to be non-Star Trek related, and it's going to be called an away mission. And today, this week's episode, is our first away mission, and we are talking Gilmore Girls Season Six, and that's right, folks. We are not abandoning the Gilmore Girls line of episodes. No, how could we? We've gone this far, and we said way back when, when we did do the rebrand, that we would do Gilmore Girls no matter what. Just because, I mean, five seasons in, there's a couple more left. I'm a completionist. We have to finish, or it would drive me insane. And it would just be really weird to just abandon the show like that, even with a rebranding, and so... That was long decided, and so here we are at last, because I actually finished the season right around the time we were rebranding, and we thought, well, that would just be really weird to rebrand the show and then say, oh, guess what, guys? We're going on an away mission, so we wanted to wait a little bit, <laughs> but now here we are. Here we are, but before we get into that, uh, last week we talked about depression, mental illness, and trauma in the world of Star Trek, something that you don't normally hear when you talk about the show or talk about even science fiction in general, but we did, and uh, we got a lot of listener feedback. Absolutely. Wow. The response when we do a show like this always, for one thing, I'm, I feel just so humbled and impressed and uh, flattered that people reach out just because we reached out a little bit. And that is, though, I think one of the big reasons why we do feel compelled to do shows like that, because once you get that conversation started, it makes it a lot easier for other people to reach out and say, hey, I'm going through this too, or I know somebody who is, or my spouse is, or what have you. If we get talking, we all feel a little less alone. And that is a really good thing when it comes to things like anxiety, depression, trauma, because you do feel alone with it. Well, you're not. And so I just want to thank everybody who's reached out, sent in an email, maybe spoke up on Twitter or what have you. I'm still reading through all of the messages that we got just because I've been so busy with my business stuff. Eventually, I would love to get back to everybody. Yes, very much thank you to everybody who wrote in. And, and thank you to everybody who listened and not necessarily wrote in, but also talked to a friend of theirs or reached out to somebody else for comfort or support. Right. Maybe you didn't feel comfortable sharing your story with us. That's absolutely fine. But if hearing us helped you feel less alone, nevertheless, that's awesome. Yes, but if you do want to reach out, if you still want to reach out, you can by going to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select and punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerdparty and also on Twitter at join nerdparty. You can find me personally on Twitter at the insane robin. 
And you can find me at Oh The Profanity. So, Shar, how about you and I start talking Gilmore Girls Season 6? And uh, like we do, as always, we do a little bit of recap of the season. So people who might have a little vague memory or haven't caught up completely will be able to listen to the episode. So uh, here we go. Season 6. This is Rory's junior year at Yale. It's the year of the Lorelai and Rory feud. The pair don't talk for nearly nine episodes, as Lorelai is incensed that Rory decided to drop out of school and live with Emily and Richard. Rory goes to court for the yacht theft and gets assigned hundreds of hours of community service. She grows closer to Logan and is in denial about everything until her ex, Jess, arrives for a wake-up call. Eventually, she makes up with Lorelai in a glorious reunion and goes back to Yale, where she decides to ignore Mitchum's pronouncements and pursue her career in journalism. She throws herself back into everything and even becomes editor-in-chief of the Yale Daily News, inadvertently ousting Paris from the job. Lorelai and Luke have major problems after they get engaged, and Luke starts dragging his feet about the wedding when it's revealed that he has a 12-year-old secret daughter that his ex-girlfriend never told him about. It leads to so many fights that the two eventually split in the worst possible way. Christopher is back in the picture when he inherits money and starts paying for Rory's college tuition. Of course, he and Lorelai end up in bed together in the season finale. Rory's love life is troubled as well, and she and Logan temporarily break up after a big fight. In the interim, he sleeps with a number of other women. Rory is furious until Logan gets in a horrible accident after drunkenly parachuting off a cliff, and the two make up. All right. So there you go. That's season six. Now, I want to know right off the bat, before we go any further, what did you think of season six? (laughs) My overall impression of this season. Wow, what a train wreck. (laughs) So that said, this might not be the most positive review. I did not like this season. I felt like the whole time we were just being told Wait for it, wait for it. Guess what's going to happen? It's all going to go straight to hell. And it did. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, like the uh I feel like a lot of the show was building up to this moment. I maybe not even front and center. It was really just kind of an inevitability because these two are so great together. You know, Rory and Lorelai are thickest thieves. They're mother and daughter, they're best friends. They've been together forever and they they Whenever they have a fight, it's usually just like it's over real quick. Or whenever they have a disagreement, all they need to do is share a cup of coffee and then they're fine by the end of the episode. Even when it's mother-daughter stuff, it's still – they go through sore periods. They go through good periods. But overall, you know there's a silver lining at the end. And just in the sense of drama, when you have two people who are this close, it's kind of like in House of Cards where you have Claire and Frank who like do everything together – and try to topple the government together but then of course they're ultimately going to be at odds at some point and so we had to explore that in the show and it's the same in Gilmore Girls as much as you explore the closeness you have to explore the distance and I appreciate that but I'm with you I hated this season this was a horrible 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 (laughs) season okay I feel a lot less bad now because I know you love this show and I just thought I'm just going to all over it and you're going to hate me for it but okay I feel a lot better we can discuss this and I'm not going to feel one darn bit bad about how I feel and I'm not going to sugarcoat it to try and 
you know, soothe you or anything. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. That's the thing with this show is that it, it's, it has its ups and downs. It has its good episodes. It has its bad episodes. But this was, to me, the first bad season. Like, one through yes. five. I mean, some were better than others. Honestly, like some were mm-hmm. but better than others. They're not all winners. They're not all perfect. But this was the first, oh, my God, just get me through it. I just need to get through it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Because I think I said with season five, I binged through a lot of that. I also binged through portions of season six where I would maybe watch three or four in a day and then I would take a little bit of a break and then I'd do it again. And that's how I got through the season. And I just thought, what am I watching? Why am I watching this show? I kind of feel like at this point in the series, it's losing its way a little bit. Like they don't know what to do with some characters. They're creating... I don't know. The way they're creating drama just is not, I don't know. It's on a, not quite on the same level as what they were doing in, say, maybe seasons three and four. I don't find it as interesting. I'm getting a little tired of some of the old standbys, like Christopher, Yeah. for one. Let's, we could talk about that, where he suddenly puffs back into Lorelai and Rory's life again because he inherited money and he, oh, he wants to be an involved father. Well, good for you, schmuck. But... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have a high opinion of Christopher the dude. He is the absentee father portrayed right. Because that's sort of how it is, I think, where, oh, he'll just pop in whenever he feels it's convenient. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, and and also his little daughter, Gigi. Wow. Um, yeah, he's got his hands full. That <laughs> kid is such a brat. Oh, I, I could not handle that. I'm actually glad that they addressed that because it's interesting because I've seen people who have had horrible first marriages or you know relationships whatever you want to say uh when they have a child and they're absentee they're away and then all of a sudden they have second families or a second chance and i've seen it go both ways but more often than not when you have the second family you have the absentee father who actually tries i've seen it fail miserably because even though let me rephrase because I feel like I'm painting a broad scope. This is all just my own personal experience from personal examples because I can't say about this for everybody. Sure. But I feel like one problem is even though it's your second kid or even your third kid, if you're an absentee father or an absentee parent or whatever, it's like it's your first kid. And so you have first yes. kid problems. And so you have first kid naivety, you know, first kid blind spots. And I'm glad that they showed this. Because he's not a seasoned parent. He didn't raise Rory, and so he doesn't know how to do it. You make a very good point, because it is cool that they did portray it this way. Yeah, he's very much a first-time parent, even though it's not his first kid. Because he had nothing to do with Rory. Honestly, in terms of actually raising her, nah. He showed up when it was going to be awesome. When he could (laughs) be the, the prince on the high horse there and come save the day, like he does or tries with the money and whatnot. And even with Lorelai, when things work for them, they work. And then when it doesn't, uh, whatever. He's gone. Yeah. Just pop in and pop back out. And that's getting really tiresome. So with this finale, just jumping straight to the finale, waking up in Christopher's bed. Uh Uh-huh. We knew all season long that it was going to lead up to something like this. And I just thought, uh uh-huh. Okay. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. This is the high level drama that usually explodes at the very end of the season. This is it. Oh, come on. I was really disappointed because the whole season long, Lorelai was telling us that getting married to Luke was not going to happen and marriage with Luke was not going to work. Now, 
do we want to get into that dynamic? Because I feel like that's a big, heavy part of season six is their relationship, the 12 year old daughter and the way just the dynamic really. I don't know, man. I have a lot of questions about this, actually. Yeah, let's um, let's go ahead. Like we'll save Rory and Logan and Rory and Lorelai a little bit okay. later since we since we're touching on Luke and Lorelai, which is a huge part of the season. And uh, of course, everybody's focus. Let's just, just go ahead and dump in, uh, jump okay. into it. So what did you think? of the progression of Luke and Lorelai through the season because last season we get them together and then at the very end of last season we get an engagement which everyone was hoping for and mm-hmm. then they squander it this season. What what did you think of that development? What did you think about the take back? They knew that they had to create drama because it can't be happily ever after in Gilmore Land. Mm-hmm. So they create this weird little thing where the relationship just... You know it's on shaky ground. I mean, it's always kind of hiding in the background if, in fact, they're not addressing it directly, where Lorelai has doubts or Luke is feeling a little distant or just things do not feel right. And they were doing it all season long, and I just thought, they're going to make this fall apart. And then you add in the daughter that Luke did not know that he had. And while that could have been a really interesting and cool storyline, Luke did it wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, the big thing that I think went wrong between these two is they stopped being honest with one another and communicating and sharing their lives with one another. They just sort of, I don't know, they kind of regressed into themselves a little bit. And I don't understand why. That's where I have questions like, you know, with Luke not wanting Lorelai to know about his daughter, I can on one front understand why he would want to get to know his daughter first, but he doesn't even tell Lorelai at all. You don't keep something like that from somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with. That was incredibly infuriating because it's just like when you're in a relationship, and this is why it didn't work, but when you're in a relationship like that, you want to share your life with someone. You want to spend the rest of your life with someone. You have to be honest. And But but the thing is like he could have he could have gotten his, eat, his cake and eaten it too if he just went to Lorelai and said, okay, this is what's happening. I didn't know this was going on. You know, like, I have this person in my life. I need to figure out how to handle it before I involve everybody else, including you. Yes, yes. That is the conversation they needed to have that did not happen. And I feel like Luke had a real misstep there, maybe as a result of his own confusion. Because honestly, I really do think Lorelai would have been cool with that, but we needed to acknowledge that and it needed to happen. And so then when he doesn't do it, I think that's when he does break his trust. And that's why Lorelai freaks out even more and more as the season goes on. And that, and then ultimately sleeps with Christopher because how can you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody who's not willing to be open and upfront and want to grow with you with life's uh, rigors? Because things are going to come up always. You can either do them together or they can drive you apart. And so it drove them apart. For me, in my personal life, in my friendships, even in my work relationships, if something happens, I try to be the first person to tell them. I try to get out in front of it and curb any kind of secrecy or any kind of obfuscation. Even if it, even if it involves another party, I try to be the first one to say it because you can help shape the story. You can help shape the response. Now, I know TV's bread and butter is made on miscommunication and people finding <laughs> out from the wrong source later on or overhearing something right. that they weren't supposed to hear. That's where you create the drama. It's just I am so sick and tired of sitcoms as well as TV dramas who don't feel like you can have a good married relationship 
without delaying the gratification constantly. Like you can have yeah. a you can have your two characters get together and continue the drama in other ways without having it constantly be will they or won't they for seven seasons. Yes, yes, totally. It is a very overused premise. It has been done to death. And I, yeah, I think there's littler problems where we could see these two build a bigger, better bond, have kind of those early, oh, we're living together, we're getting married kind of problems. It can still be interesting. It can still be dramatic. And it doesn't have to fail. And yes, of course, we're all rooting for them. And so that's why I think the showrunners, the writers, what have you, went down this path of, oh, we need to kind of shake it up because life can't be this perfect. But no, it just felt so wrong. And I didn't know if I was missing something, you know, like from Luke's perspective, like, is there some sort of maybe like guy mentality that I just by default don't understand why he's doing the thing that he's doing? I don't know. Is there anything you want to answer to that? Or is this spot on where... Luke just really screwed this up, and as a result, Lorelai screwed up right back. No, Luke uh, Luke really screwed up because the writers wanted him to screw up, and it was... Okay. It's hard for me to say that it was out of character for Luke because throughout the show, we've seen him go in and out of being really closed off from people where he doesn't tell everybody everything, where he's very mm-hmm. secretive and he, he hides a lot of things. We know that about this character. Like, that That's has been true. established. And why? But... But with Lorelai, he has a soft spot. With Lorelai, he's more honest with her than anybody else. And so the fact that he hid something this big from somebody who it matters the most outside of him and his daughter. Yeah. That's infuriating. And that's a huge freaking issue. And the thing, the other thing is, is we have seen Luke be brave before and open up to Lorelai. Mm-hmm. What was it about this that prevented him from doing so? That I did not get. And I think the whole thing with him, if you look at his character, even though he holds on to things and he hides things, the thing that he wants most in life is to be with Lorelai. And you, any person who has any kind of intelligence would be able to figure out that this kind of secret is a relationship ender. Exactly. So if he wants so badly for that to be his end goal in life... Would you not do anything to preserve that and keep it going and make it a healthy, living, breathing relationship? Just, yeah, I I really, really, really had a hard time with this whole story arc. And I wanted to punch the screen when I watched it live and Lorelai <laughs> wakes up in the bed. Oh, I, I think I really did scream at the TV. Just, really? I'm pretty <laughs> sure I did that. The neighbors probably heard it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and this was uh, Amy Sherman Palladino's last season. Oh, okay. Now, behind the scenes, you know this show a lot better than I do. Is there a particular reason why? What's going on behind the scenes? Well, I think we've talked about this before, but this was uh, after this season aired, uh, during the off season, Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband went to Warner Brothers and said, we want a writing staff. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did talk about this. Yeah, if you don't give us a writing staff, then we're going to walk. And Warner Brothers called their bluff, and they're like, okay, we're walking. And so they left the show because they wouldn't hire them a writing staff. But because they left the show, Warner Brothers had to get a writing staff anyway. (laughs) Papum ching. So nobody won. No. And it was uh, season seven is very interesting because of this. And all I'm going to say is that there was some hardcore 
course correction in season seven. Ooh. And so I'm going to have to find out if it's for better or for worse, because this sounds bad, but maybe it's not. I'm not going to give it either way, because it could be could be good, could be bad, could be in the middle. But you can definitely tell that there are new writers and a new executive producer in town, mm. and they did not like what happened in the last episode. <laughs> okay, something to look forward to. This will be really interesting. And especially with this being the last episode of the the first run before mm -hmm. the revival makes me wonder why did they get canned? So <laughs> I, I don't know. Did they do a good job or was it just it's time? I guess I'll find out. Oh, were you talking about, okay, you're talking about like this new writing staff, like having it be there because this writing staff was not involved with. Right. Uh, so they did a season and mm -hmm. then it's over. Right. Yes. Yes. They did a season. I think they were only contra I think the show was only going to go one more season anyway. Oh, okay, so they just needed the writing staff to finish it out. Okay, well, yeah. that gives it a different angle. Hmm. I do believe so. I could be wrong, and some other listeners might know better than I do, but I'm pretty sure that was the scenario. That was the case. But when the revival happened, I mean, even though she was gone, even she and her husband were gone for the last season, this is still her show. She created it. She cur curated it for six seasons. And so Netflix sure. is, of course, going to go to the creator because I think she... Yeah, I mean, like, it's 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 still her show. Like, regardless, she left at the last oh, season. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you have a show that does have as much longevity as this one, it's got to retain what it, its spirit. Right. No matter who is running the show afterward. Okay. So, I guess, any other things that you want to bring up with Luke and Lorelai? Because I feel <sighs> very done with that right now. <laughs> no, I just thought, what did you think of the kid actress? She was all right. There's been better kid actors out there. There's worse kid actors out there. She did fine. She's a quirky 12-year-old girl. I think I hated the storyline more than I hated her. And I think <laughs> It's not her fault. No. And I think that's probably it probably tainted my view of her character because I was eye-rolling so hard during the whole storyline. No, it, you can't pin it on her. I mean, she just comes out of nowhere. It's not her fault yeah. that she's there. <laughs> so let's go ahead and shift gears and let's go to the main relationship of the show between Lorelai and Rory, what did you think about the first nine episodes? <laughs> well, I guess distance does make the heart grow fonder. Um, I mean, in a way, I kind of think that it, the separation might have been a little good for them because they are so codependent on one another. We've talked about this before where they take on the world together, nothing's stopping them. And so what is it like for them not to be together? We mm -hmm. get to see that. Now, the bitterness and the anger and the resentment and whatnot, this went on longer than I thought it would, to be honest. But then when you tie it in with the elder Gilmores, where you have Emily trying to turn her granddaughter into her, basically. Right. <laughs> that makes things a lot more complicated. And you know, she's living with her, or Rory is living with her grandparents at this time and all that. That also complicates it. So I guess that sort of prolongs the whole scenario just because there's so much drama there. I knew that Rory would go back to Yale, but it did take a lot longer for her to get there. And right. the whole thing where she's sort of like running, you know, daughters of the American revolution parties and whatnot. I, I knew, okay, you're, you're trying to find your way. I get that. And I totally respect that. And this is so very wrong for you. <laughs> you're not this kind of socialite, even though you're very good at it. It was so utterly weird. I mean, I think the only reason why she was good at it is because she's a competent person. And so she she's yeah. smart, she she's resourceful, 
And so, yes, of course she's good at it because of those things that I just stated. But it was just for me, that was just, it was torture. It's just absolute torture trying to get through those first nine episodes because the reason why I watch the show is the two of them together. And it's true. And you know what? I think they needed a little more interaction, even with the separation. You know what I mean? Some oh. missed phone calls, some messages, a little more talk even, just Lorelai and Suki talking a little more about Rory and yeah. it just wasn't there. Now I will say, like with Rory's story, I love the fact that money did not save her for her crime. She had to do community service. No amount of money was going to persuade that judge. And so go that judge. That judge is bomb. I loved it. I loved throwing mm -hmm. that down where it doesn't matter who Richard Gilmore is and how much money he has and how prominent he is to the community. She did the crime. She's got to do the time. And that is that. Nothing is changing that fact. Yes, 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 yes. Thank goodness. I was so enthralled and happy with that court scene watching that happen because the Gilmores, the elder Gilmores, expect money to fix everything. You know, they think they're going to be able to bail her out and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciated that too. And then we've talked about the the influence of money a lot when we've oh, been yeah. reviewing these seasons because many times it's treated as a dos ex machina. It's treated as a, as a plot device where it can fix everything and change anything and move anybody. And they very much tried to do that this season and they ex succeeded many times in the season, specifically when Christopher came out of nowhere and said like, uh -huh. oh yeah, I'm rich now, like super rich. So I can fix whatever problem or move along the plot in, every, in any way you want yeah, me to. Yeah, I'll pay for your college, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I'm important, no. And so that, that's definitely one problem that I've seen over the course of the entire show. But I was, like you, I was very happy when it didn't, succeed where i was just like yeah you screwed up roy royally and you're gonna have to pay for it totally totally and it is because of logan shall we talk about this beast oh god i <laughs> i know i still do not like logan and in fact i think i like him somehow even less than i did last season this dude if he is not in fact emotionally abusive he is very borderline emotional abusive toward rory and i do not like it at all I don't know if I would call him emotionally abusive. I think he's just an asshole. Like I <laughs> Well, I mean, he's got certain tactics going on though. Like, you know, when he sleeps with so many other girls when they're quote unquote broken up and he's like, Well, I, I didn't really mean that, you know, I was just playing around. Don't worry, I'm really attached to you. No, no, he is playing with her emotions and he knows it. Okay, all right, all right. So okay, all right. So <laughs> I think he's a huge nozzle. I like just 100% I don't like him. I have known people like him over the my entire course of my life and I've despised every single one of them. And I, I am not defending him in the least. <laughs> but one thing that, I, that I've noticed a lot on TV and movies and everything like that and also which is a huge uh, funny sticking point in the show Friends with Ross and Rachel is the whole we were on a break. <laughs> You know, like the whole, yeah. we were on a break. And so with this, I'm just kind of like, yeah, was it a D-bag thing to do? Yeah. Was it horrible? Yes. Was it disgusting? Yes. Can you hold it against him logistically? I don't know. Maybe that's just the horrible Neanderthal male inside me coming out. 
but <laughs> I'm just kind of like, if you broke up, you broke up. And that's just how it is. And yeah, I, I guess... was hoping that was the nail in the coffin, though, for Rory to go like, fine, screw you, I'm gone. That Okay, that is what I was hoping for. Because I think from a female perspective, if a guy goes off, runs off and does that right after you break up with him, you really didn't mean that much to him. It means he wanted to do that all along. Yeah. And so you know what? Then screw you. Go off and do your thing. But I want no part in it. And I'm getting the heck away from you as fast as I can. That's not the kind of relationship I would want. And it doesn't strike me that that's the kind of relationship Rory wants. But she sticks with this idiot. Well, okay. He's not an idiot. But he is definitely... No, he's dumb. He's an idiot. He's a horrible person. <laughs> well, and you know what? We did get to see a little bit about why he is the way he is. I mean, he has this father who is really not giving him a whole lot of choice in life. And so Logan is controlling what he can control. Yeah. And he will do that at any expense, including other people's expense. And uh, not to kind of go into that stereotype again, but that seems like a very rich kid thing to do. Oh, very you know? much so. I'm very taking much care so. of number one. And in a way, I think that was trying to get us to sympathize with him a little more. But no, he is just that much of a jerk. I really despise this guy. I would get away from him as far as far and as fast as I can. All of these things. She's had so many warning signs where just so that many too. red flags throughout the last season and this season where it's just like, warning, 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 run away, mm -hmm. run away. This guy's not good for you. Yes, yeah. he's attractive. Yes, he has money, but he is horrible for you. And then she has the whole, but I love him thing. And that's where Ugh. I think also the abuse, like the emotional abusive thing kind of goes because a lot of people who are in abusive relationships don't get out because, oh, but I love him, but I love him. Well, maybe he's not good for you and you need to get out anyway. Yeah. It's just so disappointing because Rory could have any guy that she could possibly want. She's intelligent. She's got ambition. She's beautiful. It should be a catch to any good guy. But no, she's got to go for this dirt bag. And I think that's what bothers me too, is that one thing that I really loved about Rory early on is that she always had tons of self-esteem. Now, she had doubt. She had inability to achieve certain things. She was awkward in certain social circumstances and situations and things like that. She was in, in that area. She was a teenager. And so you could relate to her. She wasn't perfect, mm -hmm. but she still had self-esteem. She realized when like somebody wasn't good for her or bringing her down or uh, was hurting her academic goals or hurting her other goals or trying to get in the way of her and her boyfriend or something like that or her and her mother or her and her grandmother. Like Lorelai spent years and years and years trying to develop this girl's self-esteem because she had very little herself growing up. Right. And so it just bothers me when you see Rory go towards this type of guy and it's just yeah. a huge, and we've talked about this before, where it's just a huge rejection from what Lorelai laid down. Psychologically, do you suppose that is a part of what it is? Because Lorelai went for the quote-unquote bad boy and had that forbidden relationship and ended up getting pregnant. Well, is Rory also doing the same thing? Because, I mean, she dated Jess, who was also quote-unquote that bad boy, but it was a different relationship. I mean, has she kind of emotionally broken down a little bit where she doesn't have this level of self-esteem anymore? Is that possibly what's going on? Where in the midst of finding out who she's going to be as a functioning adult, she's going through this where she's breaking down the foundation that was built with her and then rebuilding it. Are we going to see that? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I can't speak to that and ruin anything in season seven, but 
as long as the series has been on, there's been a mirror of Lorelai's relationships with men and Rory's relationships with men. You see Rory make the same mistakes that she did, and it's kind of like a sins of the father, or in this case, sins of the mother type thing going on. Mm-hmm. And it's in some case, some cases, it's it's inevitable. Uh, in other cases, you should learn from people's mistakes. And it's just this Logan is just one big mistake and I just I'm so tired of him and I wish we could move on yes I want him to go away and speaking of Jess we did actually get to see him in this season and he's actually managed to do something with his life surprise I was very surprised and I was very elated to see him that way because I, I was not I was not team Jess at all uh, when he was actually dating Rory when he was younger. Mm-hmm. But when I saw him here, I was like, I was filled with joy saying like, good for him, good for you. And also I loved it because she said, uh, excuse me, he said, I deserve more than this. I deserve better. Yeah. Speaking of self-esteem, look who has a, a backbone. Now that he's kind of found a path in life, he is thriving like crazy. And he speaks some real serious, straight up truth to Rory. It gives her a serious check. And that used to be she would do that to him. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, dude, wh- what is going on with you? Why are you like this? He's doing the same to her. She doesn't like it one bit. And I thought that was, I, I kind of liked that poetic justice a little bit. I liked the role reversal. I like how the tables had turned because, yeah. you know, like it's it's true. Like Rory is down. She doesn't know what's going on. She's in a horrible spot in her life and Jess has stuff figured out. He's got it together. And He's so, going somewhere at least, yeah. Because they care about each other. That's you know, Rory told him off and told him that you know he was better than this, and he is returning the favor right now. And it's a good place to show. It's a good place to be, and it's it's agreeable symmetry from a character's perspective and from yeah. a writing's perspective. And honestly, like for Rory, I think that's the kind of friend that she needs right now, who will really keep her in check. Because as close of friends as she and Lane are, Lane is always going to support Rory. Yeah. No matter what happens, she'll listen, she'll talk things through, but no matter what Rory decides, she'll always be her friend. Jess is the guy who's going to say, you effed up. Right, right, right. Yeah, like there's that friend who always agrees with you, and then there's that friend who truly lifts you up. Absolutely, yes. They tell you what you don't want to hear because they care about you. So what else, as we're rounding third here, what else do you want to talk about this season? Was there anything you liked, or was it all just blah? <laughs> it wasn't all bleh. As always, I appreciate the kind of background story of how the band is doing. And I got to say, Sebastian Bach covering Hollaback Girl was an interesting surprise and might have been one of the highlights of the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty amazing. And you know what? Yeah. The longer that they showcase him on this show, the more I love him. It's so great. I'm the same way. Like when they first introduced him, I was just kind of like, oh, this guy's weird. I'm not really digging his acting. But the longer we stay with him, I was just like, okay, he's cool. Let's stick with him. Let's see more of him. He's awesome. I also loved the wedding proposal. Oh, yes. That was really cool. I actually was not expecting that. And so when it happened, it was, whoa, okay, cool. And I also loved the wedding where they had the Korean version and they have the Americanized version. That was my favorite episode of the season. I love that. Mine too. Mine too. I just thought that was a really cool take on trying to make everybody happy, basically. It was creatively done. It was a very different episode, but it's really great until Lorelai gets up there and then starts blathering onto the mic of, I'm not getting married, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then, and then I'm turned off. I mentally yeah. kind of had to tune that up. But everything prior to that was so freaking good. Completely agree. And also, I really loved 
the change in expectation about how in TV and movies you normally see people pretending to be Christian on the wedding. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see people hide that they were Christian in the wedding. Yeah, that's a little bit of a role reversal too. I, I really appreciated seeing that just because it was different. It was unique. And also yeah. it was funny when everyone was running and trying to get to the seats. <laughs> really was it was so great now what did you think of the episode friday nights all right for fighting it was the 13th episode and it's when they had it out oh that was some serious throwdown that was a long time coming as these things tend to be a little bit and i thought as i usually do when these sort of things happen in the show i just think finally you're speaking your truth what you should have been saying all along but it has to come out in these big explosive throwdowns yeah, I was uh, I was appreciative. I also liked that it was filmed differently. It was edited differently. It was yeah. it, it needed to happen. Like this was a cathartic moment, not only for the Gilmores but also for the audience. I think so too. We just built this tension and built it, built it, built it. And uh, I don't know. I actually think I felt a little sense of relief after that was over. Just like I did too. Finally, getting it out. <laughs> you know, that's one of the more frustrating things with Gilmore Girls sometimes is. They do try to build the drama so long that when they do, it's it's a boiling over. You know, yeah. they don't let it out slowly. It's a hot take when you just can't take it anymore. This is just the way this family operates. Yeah, exactly. That's how some families operate. That's what happens. I've been a part of families where it happens that way, where no one, everyone just pushes it down and never says anything or never, never talks about how they actually feel. And then just one day someone just throws the turkey across the room at Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> and then everybody has it out. And yeah, it yeah. gets the bad blood out. And sometimes that's needed. And then you have families like mine that speak their mind constantly all the time. And so there's never any big explosions. Right. And that alleviates a lot of the explosive drama. And that is perfectly okay with me. I don't know if I would want to have the explosive drama family. No, no, I know. Oh, I think I'd be constantly stressed out with these people. So, all right. How would you rate this season out of 10? How would you rate this season? And are you looking forward to finishing the show with season seven? Oh, well, given how... I didn't exactly like this season and saw a lot of things as just a slow buildup to an inevitable crash. I want to give it maybe a five or a six. It wasn't all bad, but I don't know if I really enjoyed it. I kind of feel like the show is losing its way a little bit. And I don't want to say I'm getting bored with it, but I feel like it's becoming more predictable. The drama's a little more contrived. And so with the knowledge that season seven has different people writing it, and I don't know if it's for better or for worse yet, I'm, I'm very curious as to where that's going to go, if it is going to be better, or if this is kind of the last gasp of the show, because I do feel like it's going downhill. Now, that said, I still am excited to watch season seven. I've got to see how it plays out. Like I said, I'm a completionist. I've got to know till the very bitter end what's going to happen. I mean, I had to do this with The Office, too. Even when that show oh, yeah. went downhill... I had to watch until the very end. I just did, no matter what. So I'll do that with this show too. Yeah, with some of my favorite shows, if it has a bad season, I don't write it off. I go, okay, you had a bad season. Hopefully that means that you'll be able to course correct next season. You'll learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And so when this was airing and I found out that they were getting a new writing staff, I was like, okay, let's give these guys a chance. Let's figure it out. Let's see what they if they can do what Amy and Sherman and Daniel Palladino couldn't do. 
in season six. And so for mm-hmm. that, I was super excited and, and, and super happy to find out. Now, it doesn't mean that it always works. No, no, it does not mean that it always <laughs> works. But I was fascinated right. by the process. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe. If you like what you hear and you like what we do, please go to iTunes and give us a review. If you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. We talked about what you can do to contact us at the at the top of the show. But for all of your needs, you can go to thenerdparty.com and find out how to talk to us and also find out how to listen to all of our backed episodes as well as all of our other shows. Yes, so if you're craving some Star Trek, we've got you covered both on this show as well as on SETI Alpha 3 and pretty much anything else. (laughs) All right, well, (laughs) next week is a secret like we like to keep it, but no matter what we do, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.